0: Thank you. Please remain standing for a reading of God's word. The reading of God's word will come from 1 Thessalonians. We will be concluding uh, this beautiful letter that the Apostle Paul written uh, over 2,000 years ago to this newly uh, formed church in his day. Um, and as you have sung tonight, uh, Best blessed be the tide the tie that binds, this is pretty much what we're going to be wrapping up with the fellowship that we have with one another as he gives us the ending exhortations that are in the scriptures. So we will start at verse 26. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Please be seated. As we recap on many uh, sermons that have been expressed here in 1 Thessalonians, uh, chapter, and 1 Thessalonians, and, and all throughout the chapters uh, that we have been reading and discussing in past sermons, uh, it's good to recap on where this all started. This is again uh, a new church that was formed uh, by the Apostle Paul. You can read this in Acts 17, um, where this is when the Apostle Paul was preaching over there uh, in Thessalonica, and the Jews that were hearing the word of God rejected it from the Apostle Paul for the most part. And then there were Gentiles who actually heard and examine what the Apostle Paul was preaching, and actually came to know the faith. And that's when this church right here uh, in Thessalonica was born. This was a gift by the Holy Spirit um, unto all the saints who were before them. Um, and, and this church was continually being gifted. And the Apostle Paul was very concerned, as this is a, being a new church that were mostly filled with Gentiles, He was concerned that they would depart uh, from the faith. He was concerned that maybe what he had planted, what he had watered, would end up being swept away by Satan, maybe the world and the devil, because he knew that maybe they didn't know much as he examined them. But as he sent his, his friend Timothy, he found out that this church is actually Prospering spiritually, spiritually loving the word of God. They're evangelizing. They are edifying one another. They are loving one another. They maybe are not getting every single doctrine right, especially eschatology. Imagine that. People don't get eschatology right. But nevertheless, God, uh, the Apostle Paul calls this a model church. A church that is to be, that sets the example for other churches. That is, they are to be imitated. And so even though this is a church that's fairly new, and again, they lack a lot of knowledge and a lot of things. Nevertheless, they have been blessed. But the Apostle Paul, as any other good minister or elder or even a deacon, does not want the church to be complacent does not want the church to be comfortable and so he wants them to continue to grow to upbuild that is to edify and to edify things need to be ter- teared down with regards to edification and that's how he corrects them especially on the coming of the Lord he really wants them to get that right and even in the as we will continue on Lord Willie and second Thessalonians, he still adds. To them, to help them to understand the second coming and how to anticipate the second coming of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he gives them that, but he also gives them an understanding of what sanctification truly is and how they still need to repent of some of the practices, specifically sexual immorality, um, not obeying their leaders, things that were common among the Gentiles uh, in, their, in the place that they were living. But now we are going into the concluding remarks of this letter uh, by the Apostle Paul. And this is the, simply titled The Closing of the First Letter of to the Thessalonians. And the teaching that we are to grab here is as Christians meet together, they are to warmly greet and have affection for one another. And they are to solemnly read the scriptures and receive the Lord's blessing. That is the teaching that we are to come away with this from this uh, these passages that we are going to read. So if, again, the first the first point, Christians are to greet and have affection for one another. He simply tells them, greet all the brothers, all the brothers with a holy kiss. Now you may think that, okay, how, how are we gonna expand on this? You know, it's just a simple uh, commandment. But what we need to realize is we have come far away from thinking how first century Christians think in our day. We have, it's been 2,000 years since a church like this was on the land. But we have gone so far, especially in America, of understanding the implications of the gospel and how we are to love one another and how we are to have affection for one another. And even with greeting one another with a you know, holy kiss, which I'll explain, even with greeting one another and having affection for one another, we need to realize that we don't understand what the church is all about, even in our day. We sometimes forget it. This is a rhetorical question. If I was to ask you, when I say church, what is the first idea or picture that comes into your mind? Is it a pulpit? Is it pews? Is it a trailer? Is it, is it, what, 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 what picture do you have in mind of what is the church? Is it the steeple? Well, Apostle Paul and Christians of old will look at the people will look at every single individual against any tribe, tongue, and nation and say that is the church. We, I know it's in our language to say, oh yeah, you went to church. But really, we went to be with the church. We are the body of Christ. And so let's get that straight first off. Uh, before we even understand, Christians are to greet and have affection for one another. And now you probably see where I'm going with it. One, Christians are to greet one another. This word, greet in the Greek, means to show respect. It's a greeting. It's a, so, it's a solemn greeting. It's a love and affection. And, and it's, it, it has an idea of respecting the individual in front of you and showing them love and compassion. Christians must see each other as brothers, and that is why he sees brothers, he says brothers and sisters, constantly, constantly in this uh, epistle. And Christians must see each other as brothers. They have a common head, and that is the Godhead, the triune God. They have the common understanding that is the father who elected them before the foundation of the world is the Lord Jesus Christ who dies on the cross, pays the penalty for the sins that all of us have committed. And it is the Holy Spirit that is the down pavement of that glorious communion that we have with one another, despite our backgrounds, social backgrounds, uh, despite our, you know, many language barriers, Nevertheless, we are still united uh, with one another, and the Trinity shows that, as the Trinity is united with each other. And so, again, meditating on the Trinity shows this. Uh, Christians must see each other as brothers and have a common head, and that is the Trinity. But they also have a common enemy. We just sung it. And that is the world, the flesh, and the devil. We are all battling, every single one of us is battling the world, the flesh, and the devil that's in their homes, that's in their, even in our churches, in our nation. We are all mourning for the sins of the world and for the sins of ourselves. We don't have to look at everybody else. We can look in the mirror and say, this person I, have, I am warring against. And so that's, that's the common enemy that we all have. And so we have a commonality, we are brothers and sisters, no matter if we are poor, no matter if we are wealthy, no matter if we are high, no matter if we are low, no matter if we are immature, no matter if we're talented, no matter if we're educated or popular, whether we be an old member or a new member or a visitor. If we bear the name of Christ, we are united with one another. And that's why Paul says, greet all the brothers, brothers, that is, we are unified. And don't you know, even the angels practice this greeting? What did the angel Gabriel say to Mary? Greetings, Mary. And even Mary was like, I'm not worthy of this this greeting. Uh, She realized that he, this Gabriel, was a holy angel. But even the angels practice these things because it is holy to greet a brother and sister who is following the Lord Jesus Christ, who is following the faith. And so that's one thing we ought to understand. Christians are to greet one another. But Christians ought to have also affection, affection for one another. In this context, Paul commands the holy kiss. And this, uh, and the reason why he calls it holy, because there's also kisses of lust, kisses of deceit, as we have read uh, and, and explained in Matthew uh, in the beginning, well, in the, in the, morning, in the morning services. Uh, but this is a holy kiss that is genuine, sincere, and, and, and it's, it's something that was practiced, especially in the early days. The holy kiss was used among beginning Christians who were Gentiles, also Jews, as a, as, a, as a greeting, a salutation. It was also used in the early church. It ended up being part as an element of worship, right or wrong, but it was an element of worship. They called it the kiss of peace, the kiss of peace, and it was an outward symbol of love and friendship among brothers and particularly, they put the kiss of peace before the Lord's Supper. And you have an idea why that was. Because you want to show the affection and love towards a brother before you take that Lord's Supper. You want peace. You want love. You want love it to be expressed. So it ended up being an element of worship. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was a genuine, genuine uh, love and affection that, that, was, that was used. Um, but eventually, it became to be a problem. One early uh, church father said, now when you do the kiss of peace, make sure you don't hold on to the lips of the person that you're kissing. When you do the kiss of peace, make sure you don't kiss twice. And it just goes to show you that even a simple commandment like this, God's people can turn it and flip it around and, and, and use it in a way that's just dishonoring among each other. It's like they're kids. They're acting like kids. A simple commandment like this. Y'all, y'all have to pray for me. Um, <laughs> for some odd reason, Pre-K gets mentioned a lot in our, um, in our household, some odd reason. And, you know, I hear, we, we hear these stories, and we hear a lot of, you know, uh, stories, and we, we, we pray about these things, of course. We pray about these things, but, so, but pray for me, because sometimes I walk out of that, that conversation and just say, that sounds like the church. That sounds like God's people all across, even over all the ages of, it's just that we have been very immature at times. We use simple commandments. We think we know better than our teachers. We think we know uh, more than what the, the word of God says. Even a simple commandment, we disobey it. And even this, this holy kiss, this kiss of peace, was used as a way to use to use in a way that was just immor- immoral. And so yeah, pray for me. I I know I got problems, but so do y'all, you know. We're this together. We're in this together. Um the act was never supposed to be used as an element of worship. And so, you know, now, you know, you see nowadays you have The handshake of peace, you know, and which is cute, but you're missing a point of what the Apostle Paul is understanding. When you see the person immediately, you are to love them and say, man, that's my brother. We don't get this because we're not not living in uh, where we're physically persecuted. But our brothers and sisters who are all across the world who have to deal with persecution who are seeing their their family raped, murdered, jailed, and they hear that some brothers and sisters are in their church, wow, let's have a feast. Let's welcome this brother. Now you understand, this is is how first century uh, Christians think, and this is how all Christians throughout the ages need to receive each other. So the handshake of peace, but there's there's other sincere affections that we can have for one another. Again, we have the handshake. We have the hug. We have the pat on the back. Things like that. Um, it's, it's, it's showing affection that you love the person and you, you have a dear desire to for them to be sanctified more and more. And to love them and to honor them. So, yes, it was not meant to be an element of worship. And it was funny when I was teaching this on uh, the worship class, before worship class, I mentioned this as a it was an element of worship in the early church. again, get into, ended up being a problem, but it was funny. After that, um, after the class was over, I had one deacon came, come up to me and actually kiss me on the cheek. And I said, well... Man, yeah, do his other word, I guess. I'll take it. But again, it's not something that is supposed to be uh, an element of worship. But, the, but what's important that we are to understand, although the ceremony, the kiss of peace, has ceased in some cultures, of course, that which it signifies is to be preserved in all churches, in all places, and in all ages. And so what are we ought to learn from this uh, first point? Christians are to greet and have affection for one another. Well, number one, you, and this is for all the brothers and sisters who are here tonight and maybe even watching online, you who have an affection and love for all the Christians, all Christians, even to the least of these, the Holy Spirit is working through you. That is something that you cannot fake because if you're doing it sincerely and you're doing it by the power of the Spirit, you need to be encouraged that the Spirit of God is upon you. Do not let up. Do not get too comfortable, of course. But understand that the Lord is working you because if you look, turn on the news, there's a strife and bitterness all across. So the fact that we from different cultures, different walks of life, different educational backgrounds can greet one another in an affectionate manner, that is supernatural. And so if that's you, then you are to be encouraged. But all specific exceptions aside, I know there are times where you know you have to rush home. Uh, maybe you know the kids are acting bad, you have to you have to rush home um, and, and and handle that. Um, maybe, you know, you live far away and and you have to uh, travel a long distance. Um, Yeah, or you're sick. Uh, You have to take care of somebody who's at home. There are many, many exceptions. But if you do not have a desire, it's not in your heart at all, to love a brother and sister and greet them warmly, You're seriously disobeying the Holy Spirit and you're grieving the Holy Spirit. And you indeed need to be rebuked. Some brothers and sisters may feel like they don't belong here. And many brothers and sisters feel like they don't belong in churches. You don't know that. Maybe they keep it quiet. But some brothers and sisters need to be warmly grieved and and received. And some have left churches because they do not feel that they belong. They never were greeted. Let me read you a letter. Please bear with me. This is a letter from a real person about a real church. I won't say the church, and I won't say the person, but it's, it's a reformed church here and here in Houston. It says, after meeting with you and discussing my desire to leave blank church, you asked me to explain why I decided to leave. Here is a brief explanation. I should start by disclosing that for the past 10 years, I have been ex- experiencing social anxiety. This was not an issue for me until I reached the age of 30. Playing football and having many head collisions made me, may, may be the main contributor. The social anxiety causes my mind to race and interferes with my speech. Unfortunately, some people may view this as having low intelligence and treat you as the lowest part of society. I understand this response in the secular world, but it's disappointing in a Christian context. While at blank church, I noticed that members would be hostile towards me in a very passive aggressive manner. I would receive good amount of dirty looks Blatant cold shoulders and people would avoid me at any cost. A few times I had to question myself if I had offended or did something wrong to certain individuals. Initially, I thought it was only a few people and it was something that I could manage and eventually win them over. Around the time when I was voted into the congregation by the elders, it appeared that this behavior towards me had amplified and spread it throughout the congregation. Obviously, I'm not talking about every single person, but it seemed to be a general theme within the congregation. I've had an elder drop his head and appeared to be highly disgusted when I greeted, with him, greeted him with a tap on the shoulder. Another elder blatantly ignored me after the service when I greeted him with a hello in close quarters. For me, it's just too exhausting to face this level of hostile behavior every week. I greatly appreciate the sermons and the amount of time you dedicated to scriptures. Please allow me a few weeks to affirm and finalize my new place of worship. That person never came back to that church. We got to understand that people are coming from backgrounds that we don't know anything about. They are coming from a world where racism, Oppression, them being misused, and then they come into the house of God and they experience the same exact thing. What are they supposed to expect? What are they supposed to assume? And so we must be careful. We must be careful on how we handle these things. And so we must greet one another. We must have general affection for one another. And by the way, you can't do this watching online. Now, I understand. I understand that there are exceptions with regards to health and and things like that. I get it. But if you are able and and you have no inclination to love and come and join with the brethren, you have no inclination, then that is indeed a sin. That is indeed a sin. And you must correct that. And if you are not at peace and have no affection for for just one brother, just one. If you have no affection for just one brother, you need to repent. You need to repent. You have no business taking the Lord's Supper. It's a lie. You're not in communion with that person. It's a lie. Stop mocking the Lord's table. And then you are denying your brother. Whom the Lord Jesus Christ has bought, understand when we look at one another, it is the Lord Jesus Christ who sacrificed for that person, sacrifices life for that person, and we have the we have the obligation to show love and affection for one another. So that's point number one. Now, point number two: when Christians meet, they are to read the scriptures solemnly. He says. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all, all the brothers. The solemnity, solemnity of this uh, reading of the scriptures comes from the oath of Paul. Paul says, I put you under oath to read this letter to all the brethren who are in the church. The charge is obviously most likely given to the church's leaders, the elders, but notice what he says. Look at what he says. He said, before the Lord. And then we, when we understand that, as the Lord Jesus Christ, which obviously proves his deity. Well, how would he put, how, why would he put an oath under the Lord? That just, it's just right there. The Lord Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is God. But this letter is so important that this command was given before the Lord. It was an oath that the Paul uh, put them under. Now why did he do that? Why did he say that? Well there are many reasons and it's the importance of this epistle and it's one of the reasons why I chose uh, this epistle. Now one thing we need to realize Paul says similar things to other churches he said to the Colossians that that letter should be uh, spread out but he also said the led, the letter of the letter of the Laodiceans. And interest, interestingly enough, we don't have that letter. And, and even more interesting, that is the letter that I mean, that is the church that the Lord Jesus Christ was going to spew out of his mouth and remove their candlestick. But he wanted the letter to the Colossians, the letter to the Thessalonians, this letter to be spreaded all abroad to all the brethren. He wanted it to be read uh, so that they all can be encouraged. Now, most would agree, most scholars would agree that this is indeed the first epistle the Apostle Paul wrote. Very first one. So obviously, when they get this letter, he's, what do we do with this, Apostle Paul? He spread it around to all the brethren. It's the very first letter, and so that's one of the main reasons why the Apostle Paul wanted this letter to be spread. But also, you may have forgotten, this is a model church. This is a church that was to be an example. This church is an example. This is a church that needs to be imitated. And now we have forgotten the forgotten doctrine of the Apostle Paul. Maybe somebody needs to write a dissertation on this since we love people with PhDs so much and we esteem them highly, the doctrine of Paul's imitation is all throughout his letters. And this was one of the church that is to be imitated. They had everything. It was like the, the Apostle Paul was so joyful over this church. And so they were a brand new church, but again, they were doing right things uh, unto the Lord. This was a model church. But also, more importantly, Apostle Paul knew he was writing scripture. Why in the world where he says, I put you under oath to have this read to all the brethren? Because he knew he was writing scripture. He knew that this indeed was the word of God. Paul would not give such a charge if this was just a regular writing, if this was just a regular letter. Same thing to the Colossians. This was something that was supposed to be spread forth to all the brothers and sisters in Christ. And why? Why do we have the scriptures? These scriptures that we have in our hand, the 13 letters from Paul, the letters from Peter, the letters from Jude, the letters from John. The whole Old Testament, the book of Revelation. Why do we need scripture written for us. Do you know the reason why? It's to bring us comfort. It's to comfort the church against who? The flesh, the world, and Satan, the malice of Satan. That is why the scriptures are given to the church. And so all scripture must be read privately, must be read by families, and it must be read publicly in the church. And that's why in the book of Revelation, he wanted that letter to be given to all the churches. So this is our scriptures. These are the scriptures that we have been given. This letter to the uh, these Christians in Thessalonica is indeed the scripture. So we are to come away with, as we meet, we are to read the scriptures solemnly. So are you, by application, are you reading your Bibles? Heads of households, are you reading the Bibles to your wives and discussing it over? Heads of households, are you reading it to your children? This is something that is to be always implemented, especially in public. We are to love the word of God. It is sweet when we read it. It is sweet. It is sweet like honey. And you need to take the word and hide it in your heart. And if you don't understand, again, there are so many things that Thessalonians, they didn't understand everything in the word of God. But you need to be praying for the Holy Spirit to help you. And again, if you're practicing that, if you are continuing, if you are doing that, continue to do so. This is how the Lord continues to comfort you to this very day. To this very day. So please, I urge you to continue to read the word of God. Do you know the power of the word of God? Does it still edify you to this day? If you know the power of the Lord, if you know the power of the word of God upon you, then that should be a motivation for you to read it all the more in your life, in your families. Does the word of God edify you in the public gathering of the saints as we read the word? This, again, we ought to be thankful. It doesn't mean everybody here is converted, as we heard this morning. But we ought to be thankful that we do have the word of God read. We have the word of God preached. Faithfully. We ought to be thankful. But does it still edify you? Does it still upbuild up- you? If you are not being edified by the reading of God's word, by the preaching of the solid word of God. Either you have something unbiblical when it comes to edifying, which means you're immature. Or you just may not be converted. That's how serious this is. But understand, the word of God is sweeter than the honeycomb. Do we... uh, We should walk away every time we hear the word of God and say, Lord, thank you, bless it. And even in some churches, whenever the word of God is read and it stops, what do the people say? Blessed be the God. This is the word of God. Blessed be the God. It's something that is so lovely as we read the scriptures. And so if you are not being edified, you need to be, examine yourself. You need to be examining yourself. Maybe you have unbiblical expectations. Number three, point number three, when Christians meet, they must receive the Lord's blessing. Now, Paul ends with this benediction, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Um, This blessing, any blessing, it's not a compliment. It's not a wish. It's not a wish But a serious expression and desire of the soul of the one who gives the blessing. And Paul indeed indeed had a a desire in his soul for them to continue in the grace of the Lord. It's not something when we sneeze, somebody says, bless you. This is something, not a wish. This is something that indeed the Lord has given uh, for us that we should receive the blessing, not a compliment or a wish. And what does what does he what does he uh, say here as the benediction? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. We sung "Amazing Grace" earlier. Is the grace of God how we start here? Is the grace of God that in the end we continue to receive? It's always grace. By the way, that's something the angels can partake in, grace. How do I know that? They are elect angels. If it wasn't by the grace of God, all the angels would have failed along with Lucifer. So this is something that all of God's creatures who are in him can experience. And it's always grace. We love the doctrine of grace. And that's why we say amazing grace amazing grace. The Lord gives his ministers, again, as we heard uh, earlier, uh, the Lord gives his ministers to give the benediction. This is something that was started in number six, and this is why not anybody up here can just give the benediction. Notice when I, 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 I know my place here, <laughs> I, still, I, sit, I, I walk down. Um, of course, we do uh, pray the benediction. That's that, that can be done in a church. But for the most part, all ministers it is only the minister that is to give uh, the blessing to God's people. And the Lord speaks through the minister to comfort his people. And the Lord is speaking to the Apostle Paul. Again, we read this and we say, OK, that's the end of the letter. But these people are going through persecution. These people are going through all types of things that are hurting them. And they are reminded by an apostle, the grace of the Lord be upon you. That is so comforting for a soul that really needs it. And that's why it's comforting whenever the Lord greets you in the assembly of the saints. He greets you. You ought to take that warmly because that is the Lord. It's not the minister. It is the Lord that is greeting you. And when you hear this benediction, it is the Lord that is blessing you, not just not the ministry. So as you leave, receive the blessing and know you are blessed. By faith, receive it and be careful, be careful of formality. All this, these disobedient, being disobedient to these uh, propositions that I've given you. Christians ought to greet and have affection for one another. Uh, Christians, when they meet, they ought to read the scriptures solemnly. And then the third point, the Christians meet, they must receive the Lord's blessing. You know what hurts us in practicing this? Formality. This is going through a routine. You see a brother, they say, hey, hey, you know, you see a brother in Christ, and they greet you warmly, and you just say, hey, hey. It's formality. And when we receive the Lord's benediction, beware of that sin of just looking at it as a mere formality. You are to keep your hearts away from that. Examine your heart, please. And again, exceptions aside, exceptions aside, there are many reasons why maybe you have to leave, you're sick, things like that, exceptions aside. But don't leave before you hear the benediction. I know you have a lot of things to do and I know you have to serve Martha. You do have to serve. But listen to the benediction of your Lord. Listen to the word and receive it. It will benefit you. If you receive it by faith and the spirit works in it, it benefits you. Now, the concluding of this letter. I, I hope it's been a blessing to each and every one of you. It's been a blessing to me and we will continue on, Lord willing, in Second Thessalonians. But right now, I leave you with this. All these things, which rather, if we don't partake in these things and we don't do these things, and it's being a, a mere formality, then you might have a heart that has never been born again. If you don't love, sincerely love your brother. If you don't sincerely love the scriptures, and if you just looking at worship, just eh, mere formality, walk out. I'm done. Checklist. You need to be born again. You need to be born again. You need to remember who the Lord Jesus Christ is, because someone who loves the Lord Jesus Christ, someone who loves the brethren, will warmly receive these things, warmly receive these things. But for brothers and sisters who may again, we we slip in this in this fog sometimes. Please remember this, just these three verses to this young church and put yourself in their position and understand what your enemy is. And it may just be yourself. So whether you are an unbeliever or a believer, surrender unto the Lord. Continue to worship him and honor him. Love the scriptures and know that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who is, who is, and was, who is to come. He is the one who died. He is the one who risen. He is the one who is ascended. And he is the one that's coming back for all you who are waiting upon him. And if you are in a state where this is just a mere formality and you don't care, then the Lord Jesus Christ is not coming back to save you. He's coming back to put you into the hellfire with everlasting uh, damnation. And you will see those who are in prison doing 25 years to life the prostitutes, those who have done heinous sins, you will see them enter into the heavens. The things that you just said is mere formality. Because they receive the Lord, and that's what we are to do. Please receive the Lord and his blessing, and let us uh, conclude this epistle. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ again. We thank you, Lord, for this epistle. Um, And this reminder of your grace that is always will lead us. We pray, Lord, for all those who are walking in a way of mere formality, um, that they would be convicted and repent of these things. Lord, please grant them uh, repentance, but also those who are unbelievers who have never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that you will open up their hearts to receive the gospel, receive the message and surrender their lives unto him. And may you allow them, O oh Lord, to be born again. It's in the Lord the Lord's name, the Lord Jesus, who we cry upon. Amen.